Jeff's play-by-play and any breaking sports news first. Sportsnet 960, the fan is on the air. Online at sportsnet.ca slash 960. And streaming on the Sportsnet app. All sports, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. Always live from the iconic studio. Powered by iconic electric and controls. Diversity, community, social responsibility. It's iconic. Contact them at iconicec.ca. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Calgary's sports station. This is CFAC 960 AM, broadcasting from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Stream at sportsnet.ca slash 960. Owned and operated by Rogers Sports and Media. Trending right now in Calgary. Week two of NFL action kicks off tonight with an NFC East battle between the New York Giants and the Washington football team. Both teams coming off week one losses. Washington will start Taylor Henneke at quarterback tonight with Ryan Fitzpatrick out indefinitely with a hip injury. A 6:20 kickoff will go to pregame coverage right here on Sportsnet 960 at 6 o'clock following the sports drive at 5. Ahead of their matchup with the Calgary Stampeders tomorrow night, the Hamilton Tiger Cats have named David Watford as their starting quarterback. Jeremiah Masoli will serve as Watford's backup with Dane Evans out four to six weeks with a lower body injury. More quarterback injury news out of Edmonton today as the Elks place quarterback Trevor Harris on the six-game injured list with a neck injury. The Elks are getting set to host the league-leading Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Saturday night. And the NHL announced the 2022 Heritage Classic will take place at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton, Ontario with the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on the Buffalo Sabres. The game will be the 35th outdoor game in NHL history. You're listening to Hockey Central here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is Hockey Central on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, let's do it for your Thursday. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon before 2 o'clock in the arrival of Will Nalt and Pat Steinberg. And the big show, we'll hear from our uh, goalie guru, Kevin Woodley. And he has a lot to say about uh, Flames' uh, goaltender prospect, Dustin Wolf. We'll hear about that and a few other things as well. You heard it with, uh, with Scott and Jamie. Evander Kane has talked. He has uh, had an interview to kind of talk about some of the problems he's been having. We'll, we'll hear from that as well. It's going to be a busy afternoon. But first, let's find out what's happening at Flames Rookie Camp. Let's talk to Lou. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Hello, Peter. How are you? I am excellent, and if I was the great Bob Cole, I would say, there they are, all of them. <laughs> on the ice, you uh, you, on came, the ice. you came back to Alberta just, uh, you know, not kicking over a hornet's nest or coming into one, but uh, here you are with the uh, rookie camp <laughs> underway, and uh, we're having all kinds of crazy things happen in this province, so it's nice to have a bit of a... Bit of a you know kind of distraction and talk about Flames hockey. What have you uh, what have you gleaned so far uh, as the guys have hit the ice? Well, they're in the middle of drill number one, so brand new. Uh, yeah, the starting time was one o'clock. In, in particular, sports way of going about your business. They are literally in drill number one, testing out 
the goaltenders, and the goaltenders were out a little early, including Dustin Wolf, who would be the uh, focal point of the three goalies in this rookie or prospects camp, if you will, and going to be exciting. And really, Kelly, you know, we're going to get our first real look at these guys coming up on Saturday in Edmonton. You know, that's they get a couple of days here to, to put some lines together, some combinations, and you know, then we'll find themselves in a couple of games. So be interesting as the next two days play out just to see what new head coach in Stockton Mitch Love does. And, you know, we'll uh, have lots of conversations the next few days and some audio and everything about some of the young guys and the more prominent young guys looking to make a mark here over the next few days. How do you think they're going to uh, divide up the – you know the playing time and and the rosters. Obviously, you got two games, one in uh, one in Edmonton, and obviously back here on, on Monday. Uh, you know they, they, it's really only two games, but a chance to kind of. It's not like the rookie camps out in Penticton and places like that. They're going to have to have those two games. But any idea of how they're going to divide the guys up? Well, you know, th- there's not a lot of extras, Kelly. So you know, when you think about dressing twenty people. You know, there won't be a lot of scratches. It's not like there's 30 or 40 people here. You know, I think the numbers are three goalies, nine defensemen, and 15 forwards. So, um, you know, the way these things work is because you only have two games, um, you know, anybody you feel like you want to get a really good look at is going to play a couple of games. You know, there might be some situations. I'll just throw one name out at you. Um, You know, if you're... uh, if you're a Zav Garodny who just took a shot at one end of the rink as we speak, um, you know, he's been in these before. So do you necessarily need to see him in both? You know, the first time, guys, yeah, you'd want to see them, especially, you know, if, if you see them as potential future pieces. Because it's your first real look, you know, as an organization at this type of level. I mean, you've seen them before and in different events and junior and college games, and in some cases, American League games. So, you know, if you've played in the American League already, if you're Zav Grodny, if you're Pedersen, um, you know, those types, I'm not sure you need, you know, those guys to play in both. If you're others, then you probably do. Guys are on the ice uh, today, tomorrow, then the game up in Edmonton at 5 o'clock. We'll have that one for you right here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. A couple of people asked me this, and I don't know, so I'll just kind of ask a question, uh, not knowing if you know either. Are there uh, fans at either one of those games coming up? No. Uh, my, understanding, be, yeah. my understanding at this point, and I don't think yesterday, Kelly, would uh, help that either uh, with the new restrictions and everything that has come down. So, yeah, my understanding at this point is no. Okay, but... Uh, but you guys will be there. You'll, yeah. you'll paint the picture as you always do. Simple as that. Well, we're, we're chatting with Peter Labardis. He is at Rookie Camp at the Saddle Dome. We're also joined by Logan Gordon. Let's talk a bit about uh, Mitch Love. Uh, we had talked earlier in the week that we thought it would be the new Stockton Bench Bosses uh, show to run with the rookies. Uh, what are you expecting from Mitch and uh, of his first chance to uh, get his hands on some of these Flames prospects over the next couple of days? Well, I'm a big Mitch Love fan, and uh, I've had some dealings with him over the years. In fact, uh, 
I remember watching him for many years in his Western Hockey League playing days as a really gritty, hard-nosed guy, whether he was in Everett or whether he's in Swift or Moose Jaw. Um, you know, then I've chatted with him a few times over the last couple of years. And Logan, my first comment would be this. So, you know, he has two years of world junior experience. He's been in the Hockey Canada program now for a few years. But the most impressive thing to me is probably twofold. When you talk to him, he's incredibly bright, intelligent. Um, you know, he's a really hardworking guy easy to talk to he's a good communicator and the other part is if you have watched what the saskatoon blades have done in the last three years and and he wasn't alone in this but i think when he arrived in saskatoon three years ago he changed the culture of the blades and you know those are things that don't get missed certainly they don't get missed by me so I really see this individual as somebody who's going to coach at the highest level and could even see him as a head coach at the highest level. So Kale McLean, who obviously has done an excellent job as he's graduated. And and I know there were a lot of good candidates in the summer that the flames organization uh, led by Brad Treleving. And uh, I think they've got themselves a real good one. I really do. What kind of advantage does it give Mitch, especially, say, at this rookie camp, maybe even more than his day-to-day as the Stockton head coach, but in a rookie camp like this for a guy that played a long time in the WHL, worked his way through the AHL, the ECHL, and then coached in the WHL, he's still a young man at 37 years old. He was still playing hockey, you know, less than 10 years ago, Lou. Mm-hmm. He can still relate to some of the newer generation of players and kind of, you know, bridge that gap between younger players and him. Cause he's, he's not all that far removed from it himself. Right. That same sort of experience that a lot of these kids are going through. I think Logan, you probably just answered the question. Uh, I do. And, and because he's such a good communicator and, you know, here's the one thing, and, and it, I don't think it's an accident, you know, a lot of really good coaches, aren't always, you know, the most talented players. They're, they're the players who had to work their tails off for absolutely And everything. vice versa, Lou, too. We've seen the other way, too, where guys are... hundred percent. Yeah, it's weird how it works no, that way. Yeah, so, you know, he was, he was a grinder and a hard-nosed guy as a player. And, you know, in a lot of cases, you know, Mitch would be one of those guys where it's, you know, his work, his hockey IQ, his preparation, his ability to understand what role. Um, that's why a lot of those types of players, I find, you know, always make great coaches. You know, I look at I look at Matt Stajan, and it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that goes for him. But, you know, going way back for Matt, in fact, Kelly, I can share this with both you guys and our listeners, when he was still playing, I came up to him one day in the locker room and I said, you know, down the road, I could see you as being one heck of a coach. And at that point in time, he just didn't really want to have that conversation. And I understood why. But, you know, those types of players, the really cerebral, hardworking, um, you know, probably did it more with their smarts and work than just pure, 
you know, skill, I, I think they do understand. And I think they do relate better. And the other thing about Mitch, and I made a little mention of it, um, so he has that experience, Logan, as you talked about as a player. He has it now, you know, coaching players on their way to bigger and better places. And the other thing I love is I love the fact that through Hockey Canada and two World Juniors, he's also been exposed to elite-level people. So good experience, good communicator. Uh, I think he's going to do really well. I, I really do. We talked about a couple of those guys that we've seen at, at the Stockton level and even someone like Connor Zary last year because of the, the weird pandemic year that we went through was able to get some time when he normally wouldn't have been able to. I believe he played nine games for Stockton last year. Talk to me about how those relationships will start uh, going forward, the guys that he knows or will potentially start to see day-to-day in Stockton that he's getting a chance to coach and meet for the first time at this rookie camp. Well, knowledge is power, right? You know, I, I think 100%. that's a pretty fair. I think that's a pretty fair statement in pretty much everything. So, yes, the more players you've either coached or coached against, um, you know, gives you a greater understanding. And and I've never been a bigger believer than I am of this today. You know, a lot of coaches are great at the X and O's. Um, you know, you can't not be in this day and age. But your ability to communicate with people, understand people, get the most out of people, I think is, is the real difference. Your ability to command respect. Um, because, you know, and I've heard a few chats even, you know, whether it's on the radio or on television, you know, I heard Matt Stajan talking about his new role yesterday on TV. These players aren't necessarily the same as even 10, 12 years ago. You know, they come at it from a different place. They're, in a lot of ways, the way they train, the way they eat, all their skill coaches, it's different. So your ability now to relate to people in order to get more out of people, I think's never been more important. And I think it's also never been more challenging. I have one more on the, the new Stockton coach for you, Lou, and I, I don't know if you can answer this now or if it's a, a question that Mitch will answer throughout this process, but what do you expect Mitch has been asked to do when he goes into Stockton? Is he asked to put his own stamp on the Stockton heat or is he asked to adapt and prepare these players as best they can to go into a Daryl Sutter style should they be called up? You're trying to get your prospects ready to play in the National Hockey League. At the American League level, that is your number one focus. How you get there, um, everybody is different. Everybody has different personalities, ways of looking at things. You know, and it's going to be an adjustment for guys playing in Stockton again who have played for a different coach before. That, that always takes time because... You know, different people see different players differently. That, that's gone on as long as sports has gone on. But no, I mean, his, his number one focus and what you're really in many ways, I think, judged on is how many players do you help develop and get better to be ready to play in the National Hockey Chatting with Peter Labardius right here on Hockey Central. It's Kelly Kirsch and Logan Gordon. Big show coming up at 2 o'clock. 
NFL football on the radio coming up at 6, Washington and the New York Giants. We wanted to have a chat about the UFAs. I think people are kind of excited to maybe hear about some PTOs or maybe some big names, and we always want to hear that. And uh, it's been kind of quiet, obviously. But what uh, mm-hmm. what do you, you know, there's there's a few names out there that are quite interesting. Uh, you wanted to talk about uh, K- Kirill uh, Kaprizov. Well, Kaprizov, the reigning, you know, rookie of the year in the National Hockey League, I think going all the way back to Marion Gabrick might be the most exciting Minnesota Wild player to come along in a long time. Um, they are not making a lot of headway in terms of, you know, signing him to a new deal. And, you know, I think Bill Guerin Kelly has done a remarkable job in Minnesota. He's had hard things to do. Um, you know, they had an excellent season last year, one of the real surprises. And, you know, this is not the kind of situation you want to be in a week before camp. But Kaprizov is an interesting guy. Remember, you know, he really moved into the spotlight for some of us to remember in 2017-2018 in when, you know, he was the best player, in my opinion, at the Winter Olympic Games in Korea and led the Russian athletes to a gold medal. He also had a great world championship to follow that a couple of months later. And, you know, you, you knew he was going to play at the highest level. It was just a matter of time. So he, he comes over, gets that done. But Kelly, here's something I just want to throw out. And, and it's just something I thought about in the last couple of days with Russian players, things can be different. And I think we always assume, right, that the NHL certainly by far and away is the best league in the world. But maybe it's not always first and foremost for certain athletes. You know, Kirill Kaprizov, if he decides to stay in Russia, let's say this doesn't get worked out, and I think we're all as hockey fans hoping that it does. But maybe for him you know, to stay at home and make eight or $9 million, play for his country, do those kind of things. Who's to say that that's not on his wish list. So unless absolutely everything meets his demands, maybe it's different. And again, I'm just throwing that out there as much for conversation. It's not anything I've necessarily heard through the grapevine, but we always, you know, we always assume that, and let's not kid anybody, coming over, that's not easy either. It's, it's not always a fit for everybody personally. I, I truly believe that's why, you know, certain terrific players internationally don't necessarily pan out in the NHL. You know, it's not always about just their hockey skill. It's, it's, it's a way bigger picture than that sometimes. Yeah, it is, and it's such a different culture over there. I was uh, I was reading on this is this will date us a little bit, but um, now I'm trying to think of his name. Now I'm going to blank on his name. <laughs> the uh, it was the uh, Russian forward that uh, mm-hmm. that died in a car crash that never played in the NHL. Harlamov. There we go. I just blanked on it, but it was just fascinating to. You know, we, we think in, in North America that everything is cool now. He was in a different era, obviously. Yes. But, but uh, some of those guys, you know, they are, are totally okay to, to, to play in the KHL and, uh, and do just fine. They're home, they're, they're, they're home culture, they're home people, you know, they make a fair make amount a lot of money, of money. And they can be big stars there. 
it's it's not necessarily for everybody. So it's it's interesting to see how how this might play out. You wonder if he would have had something from the KHL already. Well, there maybe. there was talk this summer, Kelly, that you know there was there's no shortage of suitors over there. You know, if this thing didn't work out well, yeah, so they'll, you, they'll, you, uh, you, yeah, they'll you, let him uh, miss a few games if if that's yeah. the case. We'll find room for you. Yeah, like we, we uh, you can't play the leverage game in life if you don't have leverage. This guy's got leverage. He does. So I mean, now again, I, I just brought it up today because you know I think in North America, like you say, we always assume that this is where the best players absolutely have to be, and I would say. You know, ninety-five percent of the time—that's true. But I, who knows? It might not be for this guy. And it took him a while to make the decision to come over. He was ready, in my opinion, in the 2018-2019 season to come and make a difference. I'm wondering so, what uh, Bill Guerin's walk line is. Like, what's what's yeah? What's his final offer? Like, what you know? When you see the well, the stats there, and he's number one with. What fifty-one points in fifty-five games? And you're right for a team that's been around for a while. There hasn't been a lot of big-time stars that that wore the, you know, those offensive juggernaut. They've had some good players, but they haven't had that homegrown, you know, Gabrick for no. sure. But that that guy that oh my god, pull you out of your seat kind of guy. They haven't had that until they got him. No, and he was uh, he was brilliant last year. Thought he even. Showed really well in that tough playoff series uh, in the first round. He's a really gifted, dangerous, high-octane, you know, like you said, bring-you-out-of-your-seats type of player. And, um, you know, I've also read that, you know, the Wild really feel like they've made him more than a significant big offer. So that's, that's the other reason, Kelly, that I – you know, you start to think, what else is going on? And the other factor is, too, and, you know, I don't want to have a political conversation, but things in Russia can be different than they are in other places in the world. Let's just put it that yeah, way. Yeah, they absolutely can be. And uh, things that are normal here, not so much there, and vice versa. I, you know, you've heard some wild stories. You've experienced wild stories. I've heard them. It's like, whew, it's different. It's very different. It yeah, all right. It is. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, they're getting to the yeah. point where they got to figure something out. We've got training camps coming up pretty soon, so you don't want that hanging over your head, but we'll see how that And you've goes. got the two guys in Vancouver, too. Yeah, they got to get those done, and, you know, still hearing about Jack Eichel. Like, what? Uh, <laughs> hockey fans want info. They want, they want stuff to happen. But I guess Yes, to, they do, and they to... want it to happen now and right away. But, um, you know, everything I've heard about Patterson. And, and by the way, Pedersen changed his agency in the off season um, to the people at CA, and so that's a big change. And you know, Quinn Hughes, and of course, the market for a young defenseman um, helped to be set by Mister McCarr at nine million. Um, so Vancouver, from all accounts, probably for both guys. Probably in a neighborhood of about fourteen million that they can go to sign both of them. So, and they need those guys. And listening to a podcast with Travis Green a couple of days ago, you know, we forget maybe Vancouver Kelly is going to have big changes this year. They're going to have eight to ten 
new faces in their lineup. So you don't really want to start, you know, even camp, as Travis talked about, without those two guys. So, but I also know this. Deadlines are usually what makes things happen, too. Yeah. Yeah. And and your walk line of what, what you'll do, and they know what, and you don't tell mm-hmm. people that right away. So, But the good news is the Canucks fan base totally even killed and won't overreact to either thing. So that's good. No. They're, it's good to have them. There's just any reaction. Is there any fan base that cares that's even killed? Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. No. None. Not even close. No chance. Nope. Lou, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, guys. Have a great one. Flames Insider, Peter Lubardius, brought to you by the Gemini Group Home Renovations. Your home renovations should be a reflection of who you are. Give your home the Gemini difference. The Gemini Group, now offering air miles, reward miles. Visit GeminiGroup.ca. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon, it is Hockey Central. Big show coming up at 2 o'clock right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan will hear from Kevin Woodley. His chat with Ryan Pinder, all about goaltenders. you got to tune in if you missed it. He talks about kind of um, where Dustin Wolf is compared to uh, UC Soros. And the reason the comparison is, you know, they're height-wise are the same, right? We, this is the, the era of really tall goalies. Well, Dustin isn't really tall, but he's really good and is making quite quite the impact. So we'll hear from that. It'd be interesting to, to, to listen to hear from, you know, a guy outside the market and what he has seen. From Dustin, obviously, you saw him a fair amount in the uh, in the Western League. He's uh, he's so dialed into goalies, it's it's kind of scary, actually. Coming up on Wednesday, Will Nault on location. He'll be at uh, Andrew Sherritt Limited. He'll do that from nine till one o'clock. It's the grand opening, one day only. Milwaukee sales event that goes from eight till four. They've got six Milwaukee reps there, uh, including their own uh, plumbing specialist. The new Milwaukee event trailer will uh, have demo tools on site. Uh, they're going to be having a barbecue. They'll have all the the safety rules in place and requirements, all that kind of stuff. We're just kind of always have to tell people that, right? But I think we're all getting used to that now these days. And uh, by the way, if you're one of the first 50 people through the door, you get a $25 gift card to spend on Milwaukee products. So this is uh, coming up Wednesday uh, down in the southeast at 1320. Highfield Crescent in the southeast. Will Nault's going to get that suit jacket on. Probably not going to fit him. He's going <laughs> to... Let's get Will a new suit that's going to fit. It's gonna be... He's lost a lot of pounds, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, okay, Kevin Woodley is next right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hockey Central continues on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon's. Two o'clock means the arrival of Will Nault and Pat Steinberg in the one, the only big show for you. Getting ready for Thursday night football, week number two of the National Football League, right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, Washington and the New York Giants. We'll go to that at six o'clock. Baseball tomorrow on Sportsnet 960. The fan. And then Saturday, we've got hockey. It's been a while, but we'll have the rookies, Flames and Oilers from Edmonton with our Flames radio crew as we get back at it here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Uh, We are also going to play some interesting audio that you absolutely have to listen to coming up later on today from Evander Kane of the San Jose Sharks as he had a one-on-one interview with uh, ESPN down in the States to, you know, basically talk about, you know, where he's at. And uh, he's a pretty slick talker for sure. 
and I, I'll let you, you know, listen to it for yourself. But, you know, those gambling accusations, uh, he's claiming it's kind of a marital situation, a divorce that's really getting nasty. This will be interesting to see what how this goes as uh, training camp is coming. So we'll find out about that as well. Uh, Kevin Woodley joins us uh, in season to talk about all things goaltender. You uh, you can read him with his uh, In Goal magazine online. He also does the In Goal podcast. And to say that he talks about goalies in depth, an understatement. And so they had an interesting conversation, Ryan Pinder and Kevin, earlier today. They talked about all kinds of things. And you got to listen when they talk about uh, Flames goaltender prospect Dustin Wolf and where he is at when his, uh, you know, when they're talking about development compared to, you know, goalie that had kind of a similar sort of stature, UC Soros from the Nashville Predators. So we'll hear that. But the first thing they wanted to talk about was uh, the Anaheim Ducks in the Pacific Division. And where, oh, where is John Gibson with a horrible team? Here's Kevin's thoughts on the Anaheim Ducks goaltender. So the potential and the talent of John Gibson is still there, but you're starting to worry about just how worn out he must be mentally. I had a long conversation. Actually, he'll be our feature guest on the Ingle Radio podcast that launches tomorrow with Ryan Miller uh, as he transitions into retirement and doing some work with the U.S. Olympic team. And you know, the thing I think that most people don't realize about Anaheim's situation as goaltenders, it's not just, like it's a lot more than just poor defensive play like we can adjust the statistics based on the shot quality to account for how porous they've become uh, in the past couple of seasons and get a better a better sort of measurement and weight of how John Gibson has performed and interestingly enough that too has declined as much as he was an analytics darling even in the early stages of them being bad his adjusted and relative numbers have slipped below expected as well in the past couple of years the biggest challenge for the goaltenders there, though, is, is not so much just the defensive play. It's the lack of scoring. And, you know, interestingly enough, this takes me back to an old Calgary story with Mika Kippersoff. You remember back in the day with Kipper and Daryl Sutter, and they were a great defensive team, but they didn't score a lot. Right. And so I remember asking goalies around the league at that time, like, what would you rather have? Uh, a team that plays a little run and gun and you face a lot more dangerous chances, but you know they can put up three or four a night, or a team that's only going to score one or two, but they're airtight defensively. And every guy in the league said, give me the run and gun that gives up chances. Like, as much as we all want good defense, not having a margin for error, knowing that one or two is one or two too many every single night, just absolutely wears you out. And in addition to being behind a pretty bad defense, that's what Ryan Miller and John Gibson have been dealing with for the past couple of seasons. Like every time they hit the ice, they know that if they give up more than one, they're probably not going to win. And that wears you out mentally. And so, um, you know, I don't know that there's a reset button you get to hit on that, where all of a sudden, you know, maybe some of these, as you said, some of this young talent, because most of it is in the forward group, uh, starts to hit, starts to pop, and it can take some of that pressure off of John Gibson. Um, you know, maybe that's enough. Maybe, maybe becoming a team that can score again uh, allows him to relax a little bit and get back to his former self. Uh, but technically, like, I don't think a ton has changed. His game has never been overly reliant on technique. He's always been a guy who plays with a little bit of feel. 
Um, there are elements of his game that are loose technically, but that's always how he's thrived. They've been very careful not to take away that sort of dynamic uh, read-based, reaction-based element out of his game. They don't want to make him too technical because they think they might lose what makes him special uh, in terms of that, those reactive elements. So I, I think all those parts are still there. Um, but they've just been worn down to the nub by, you know, the grind of losing and having no margin for error for so long. And it makes for a very interesting question for the U.S. Olympic team and Ryan Miller, coincidentally, um, because if nothing changes this year, if you see him worn down again and you see his, his play starts good, if you look at the past couple of seasons, then it just eventually tapers off. If you see that by February, how do you make that guy a part of your Olympic program? Man, and they got a lot of options there. It was funny. We've talked about it a bit when the official uh, news came down that they were going to go, um, you know, obviously leaving wiggle room for if the world's a crazy place, which seems to be what right. we need for everything these days. But, uh, you know, they've got Hellebuck. They've got Demko. Gibson certainly over the last decade has been one of the – like there's a lot of good young in your 20s goalies the Americans have access to. And in Canada, it's going to be two guys in their mid to late 30s, and we'll wait and see. Oh, Question marks. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I would say that the Americans' goaltending depth, the only country that challenges it, frankly, is Russia. Um, those are your sort of one-two in terms of elite talent right now when you look at the goaltending pools for the Olympics. Um, and and to me, it'll be, it is going to be fascinating. I think the three you listed are for sure at the top of that list. And, you know, I've, I've had a chance to sort of watch and, and see where Thatcher Demko is coming into the season. I had a chance to sit down with him for 45 minutes last week, uh, again, for, for, for In Goal Radio. And I'm telling you, like, it's, I have a hunch it's going to take a lot. And, and the Canucks defensive play may be, may be a lot. Like, that may be enough. But I think it's going to take a lot to keep him out of this conversation. Um, you know, and it'd be interesting to see if he actually – gets an opportunity to maybe even be the guy could he i think there's enough talent there to actually be the guy as much as hellebuck's the obvious answer um when i look at the season he had last year behind such a bad defensive team the only question marks i have left with okay can you do it now for 82 uh it's a, it's a longer season and i think actually here's the other part any goalie that took a big step in the last year plus the playoff bubble and is now entrenched in that position, whether it's Thatcher Demko as the number one here or, say, a Jeremy Swayman who established himself as the backup in Boston. Anybody who's in a new situation that, and has elevated their status that they hadn't done before the pandemic hit, playing in front of fans with this travel schedule is a very real step that has to be taken. I know they've all played in front of hostile crowds before, whether it's at World Juniors or Major Junior or college or the American League. But this is, it's different when you're the guy. And I know people will be like, come on, like how come I like, – but I've talked to goalie coaches and around the league. They're not saying it's necessarily a massive step for a lot of guys. Um, Demko has a psychology degree. That's what he took in university at Boston College. So – if anybody can handle it between the ears, it's him. But it is still a step. It's still something you haven't done before. And until you've done it, you haven't. And add the travel schedule. You're not going to get as much time to reset with your goalie coach in between games on road trips because you're not playing three and five in the same city anymore. 
there are going to be measuring sticks that sort of and questions that need to be answered for a lot of these guys who find themselves in new roles. But like I said, my hunch is like if I'm playing props bets and the odds are, I'm guessing without looking the like Demko's probably out of the conversation, like a 40 or 50 to one bet. I might put a little money on him being in that Vesna conversation this year. Yeah. Uh, why not? I mean, the, the, the caveat, the big one is, is what you mentioned. Like, are they going to be defense? good? And the, the defense, I, I just don't see it. He's, well, he, I think he is one of the better goalies in the league, but it, until all the voters are subscribing to the, the numbers you're looking at, I don't know that the public perception will match what he's actually doing. Well, I did a little bit with Fleury last year, but the, he also had the sentiment vote going as right. well. Like, yeah. his raw numbers weren't as good as adjusted, but people recognized how bad or how loose, not bad, but how loose defensively Vegas was. But you're right. That was probably the GMs. I'm giving them too much credit. That was probably more sentiment than anything else. And, yeah, it, it'll be interesting. And on the flip side, right, we talked about this with Markstrom. Like, I don't see the Canucks suddenly becoming a good defensive team, even with Oliver ekman Larson. There are a lot of question marks around that move. But if they were, that's an adjustment too. We, again, we talked about it last year with Markstrom. Like, it's one thing to play behind a team where you're busy and you're active and you're just reacting all the time because you know it's 35 plus a night and you're just you're turning that brain off. And this is actually one of the things we talked to Thatcher about uh, last week. Really credits Braden Holtby for his time here and helping him get over that hump in terms of just going out and playing and all these things he's working on. Once the puck drops, turn it off, stop thinking about what you're supposed to do and just go out and react. That gets harder as teams get better defensively because he got more time to think, yeah. more time to sit back there and wait, more time to watch the guy at the other end standing on his head instead of being the one doing it yourself. So I don't expect the Canucks to get there this year. Like you said, I think they're going to be a bit of a tire fire again in their own end um, and rely on Demko heavily. But when they do, that's another question he has to answer along that path. Man, it's it's a you alluded to the the Markstrom one. It's a guy that's thrived in high volume, and it's easy to say he's going to have a, a, a much easier workload. And he is. Daryl Sutter is a, a, a shot suppression wizard, but yeah. not all goalies thrive in that. And I, and I don't know. You you've won me over. I didn't really think that was a thing. It's like, well, you're trying to stop the puck both times. It doesn't matter whether it's your 17th or your 34th. In fact, you're probably more tired on your 34th. But to your point. It's, there's rhythm goalies. There's goalies that want to touch the puck early. And a guy like Mike Smith has posted ridiculous numbers on nights where he's faced more than 35. It's it's something about like, – it's a thing. I, I used to sort of push back on that. Yeah, I know it is. And, and listen, this and the, the other thing too is – and this is the one thing about Jacob. Remember last year going into the season, that's one of the reasons I liked the signing because before the coaching changes, the Flames gave up a lot of chances and a lot of what we would call – Sort of, I call them 99 percenters. They're the easy chances that allow a goalie to sort of get into the game. And, and that was the other part with the Canucks. Yeah, they give up a ton of grade A, but they also give up a ton of shots from the perimeter. And those help those rhythm goalies sort of find that feel, right? There's, you know, it's like the old Carolina goalies used to say, man, like, especially when Bill Peters was there, he's like, like we are so good at warming up the other goalie. I watch us go down there and throw these easy shots at the net hoping to collect garbage, and that guy's just getting himself into the game. It's like a second warm-up. Hell, it's better than, this, better than the original warm-up because nobody's shooting at your head. Like, they just love it. Um, but it is an adjustment when you lose that. And so that's not to say that Jacob Markstrom can't play that style because that's the thing. Much like we talk about Thatcher Demko in Vancouver, Jacob's never had to. Like, when he was here in Van, he had to 
you know, be behind a team that wasn't good defensively. So I don't, I think it's an adjustment he can make. It's just important to recognize it is an adjustment. It's one some struggle with. And so it might take a little bit of time. It's not as simple as less shots make for an easier night. The goalie should be better. There, there is a very real adjustment that has to be made to get used to it. Pekka Rinne struggled mightily with it. His answer was to handle the puck all the time. Just it led to an empty net goal. Yeah, every guys used to marvel. I had a guy, a goalie, tell me we did a Christmas thing where if there was one skill from another goalie around the league you could have under the tree for Christmas. You know, guys are like Carey Price's glove and Henrik Lundqvist compete, and one guy's like Pekka Rinne's ability to stop pucks behind the net. He was like dropping into butterflies against the boards because he was so aggressive handling like. You know, that if it's on the glass, leave it? No, not Pecorino. He'd, like, slam into the glass and knock it down because that's how he stayed engaged when he was only seeing 25 a night. That kept his mind active and in the game. Prospects uh, camp opened yesterday here in Calgary, and it is not one of the deepest prospect groups in the league. It's been ranked sort of 25 to 32 by most prospect people. But, you know, they also haven't picked very high of late. They've also traded a lot of first and second rounders. One of the uh, late gems they've mined is uh, Dustin Wolf, a seventh-round selection who basically was on his way to rewriting the WHL record book for the position until uh, COVID stole probably 50 games from him. Uh, he's excelled at every level he's gone to. And then when the WHL didn't start on time last year, he went to the American League, got absolutely uh, walloped in his first game, then settled right in and looked like himself again. Where are you at on a six-foot goalie in today's NHL, because you certainly can't quibble with the numbers he's posted anywhere. Yeah, no, listen, um, six footers get, have a little less margin for error. They get a few less chances. If you're six foot five, they'll keep rolling you out there until you prove you can't do it. Um, six footers have to prove they can't. So, um, but I don't think any of that's ever going to phase Dustin Wolf. Uh, you may not have a lot of prospects there at this camp this week, but you've got one of my favorites. Uh, I think there's a lot of sorrows there. Um, frankly, with a little more instinctive compete uh, than UC had. That was one of the things uh, when UC came to, to Nashville. The irony was Pekka Rene learned how to play quieter and more in control because at six foot five, he looked over at UC Saros, who is five foot eleven at best, and was like, "How is this guy playing deeper in his crease than me?" But on the other scale, they wanted UC to watch Pekka and sort of learn some, like, "Hey, man, like." why is this guy who should just be closing all the holes battling more than you for second and third chances? And I think Dustin's got that in his game already. Like his, his compete, he's got Saros's structure on open looks and open shots and beating plays and getting set. And he does all of those with an efficiency that is part of the new wave of goaltending and at the top of the curve. Like he's up there with the Carter Hart pre last year in terms of his ability to move and get set and get square. But then after that first shot, when it's time to throw technique out the window, so he's at a Saros level on the technical side already, but when it's time to throw it out the window, he's ahead of where Saros was at this stage. And UC Saros has turned into a really good goaltender. So um, you don't have to look far to find other guys his size and smaller than him that are having success. And you can see some of the elements that they have in his game. Uh, look at Jonathan Bernier. Jonathan Bernier at 5'11 doesn't even get drafted into today's NHL, but look at the career he's managed to carve out. So there's a lot of upside. Is it number one elite, um, you know, Jacob Markstrom franchise, Carey Price type goaltending upside? You know, a lot of people would say six foot doesn't get you there. I, I don't believe that. 
but I believe he's going to play in the National Hockey League. If it's as a 1B, it's as a 1B. But I, don't, I would never put a ceiling on Dustin Wolf because everyone who has to date in his career um, has had it shattered by his work ethic and his, you know, that balance. Again, that commitment to precision in movement, in execution. But then when it's time to throw technique out the window and just battle, he's got that too. Final word on Henrik Lundqvist, who officially announced his retirement since we last spoke. Just a thought on the King. Uh, you know, just much like Luongo retiring a couple of years ago, you wish they'd had. I mean, they got their shot. They got to each one of them got to one Cup final. They've both got Olympic gold medals. Um, you know, to me, they are the top of their generation. Like, you know, are they a rung below the all-time list when you talk about Hasek and Juan Brodeur? Yeah, that's fair. Um, but of their generation, the guys who kind of played through up until the last couple of years, uh, I, I think they're at the top of that list, and, and Henrik especially. It's not just the performances and the results. He changed the game in a lot of different ways. Um, his ability to adapt. I remember his goalie coach, Benoit Lair telling me after the first year, like when he came, everybody now associates him with this Benoit Lair play on the goal line, super deep, patient goaltender. When he arrived from Sweden that first year, he was like everyone else. He played outside his crease. He retreated back to his goal line with rush attacks. Like he was the opposite goalie. In one month, he figured out how to completely change his game. And Allaire told me that first season, he's going to be great because all the greats have the ability to do that. He compared him to Tiger Woods. Uh, and his ability to change swings. So there's that element. But did you know, like, equipment-wise, he changed the equipment game. There's actually a piece of equipment on the skate of every major manufacturer now that Henry Lund Henrik Lundqvist invented. It's called the Lundqvist Loop. It's a little tab behind your heel. And again, every manufacturer has them. They come in different shapes and sizes. Some have now got them as little metal clips. But it's a little loop on the back of your heel that you run your... Uh, what we would call a bootstrap. It's the strap on the bottom of the pad. And every other goalie until Henrik Lundqvist ran it underneath the bottom of their skate between the, the skate boot and the cowling to hold their pads down tight to the top of their skate. Henrik Lundqvist didn't want his pads down to the top of his skate, especially after they reduced the height. Um, he wanted them when he dropped. He wanted them to rise up his leg. So they got rid of his bootstrap. They ran it around behind the heel. And when it started to rub and get in the way, they invented this loop so that he would have a place to anchor it. And so the Lundquist loop is part of goaltending, not just lore, but it's part of goaltending forever. It's on every, like it's every manufacturer has it now. And then you add the work he did with Bauer. We talk often about pads that are designed to create explosive rebounds on purpose, uh, new materials, a new way to build pads, uh, to encourage those rebounds, to make sure they slide better, like real performance benefits. Henrik Lundqvist was involved with that testing. He was the one that said to them, because the project was initially to deaden rebounds. And when the first attempts created these super lively rebounds, he was the tester that said, guys, guys, you're onto something here. This is what we want as goaltenders. A rebound that comes off more actively, jumps past that first guy standing at the edge of the crease, gives him less time to react. And the further it goes away from me, the more time I have to react to get to my next position. So I just think there was a passion for the position in Henrik, whether it was the work he put in. And I watched some practices in Vancouver. I watched him come out late in his career in an optional and be the first guy on, last guy off, breakaway drills right to the end, and battling like a 
the whole time. Just compete, compete, compete. Um, he's a Hall of Famer first ballot in my books for all those reasons. And I, and I think, as like I said, a lot of them are reasons that go beyond what, what most sports fans see. He really had a passion for this position, and he made the position better with some of his inventions and creations that other people have adopted. I'm glad I asked you. That's, a, that's the best answer anyone's ever given on Henrik Lundqvist. Uh, so, uh, hey, we're, we're pumped you're back, man. We're excited. This means hockey season soon, and we'll dive a little further into some of the battles going on around as I think by next week we'll probably have uh, the big boys showing up to a lot of these organizations in camp. Yeah, and it's a, hey, this is a big time, too. We can talk about that next week, too. Like, these captain skates and all the stuff that's going on, it's uh, tough for goalies sometimes to balance that. Uh, the, some of these skates aren't so good for them, so how do they get to work in with their guy and their coach and survive these when, when all the players want to just be shooting on them from the, from the center of the slot? It's a, it's a tough time of year sometimes for goalies, but how they handle this week will directly affect their ability to have success out of the gate next week at camp. So look forward to it. Kev, appreciate it. See you later. There we go. Kevin Woodley from In Goal Magazine and the In Goal Podcast joins uh, Ryan Pinder on Thursdays right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's Kelly Kirsch, Logan Gordon. That's just about it for Hockey Central, but we are just getting started. We've got lots going on. The big show set to go at 2 o'clock today. Find out what's happening at Rookie Camp. Also, you got to hear the audio from Evander Kane from the San Jose Sharks. Had a bit of a sit-down interview with ESPN. Um, what about the gambling, Evander? You know, some of his uh, vague answers are very interesting. So you'll play that uh, later on today and a few other surprises as well. we got football for you. Giants and Washington NFL right here on Sportsnet 960. The fan, we go to it at 6 o'clock kickoff about 20 after as week number two in the NFL kicks off. And today is Thursday, which means it's name that flame. Okay, so you think you know your flames trivia. You think you're really good. Are you as good as Steinberg? Hmm. Probably not, but maybe as the clues get a little easier, that might be your chance to pounce in and win. Simple as that. So Steinberg and Alt going to start giving you the clues, and then once you know it, you just get to your phone and you text 960-960 with the Flames name and your name, and you could be a winner. Simple as that. It is awesome. If you want contest details, I just gave them to you, but if you want to see them written down, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Just go to contest and have a look-see there. Wild Rose Brewery celebrates 25 years of standing by Alberta through wins and losses, all the while serving up premium craft beer. Join them at the tap room. The guys are there tomorrow, by the way, or from the comfort of your own home during the next big game. Steinberg, Nalt, Big Show, next Sportsnet 960.